0: I think all of you know who this is here up on the screen. And we'll just start talking about my family because you know Vic and Elsie, my parents there. And this was, picture was taken in March um, at my dad's 91st birthday. We had a little party for him, and it's my mom and dad there and our family around them. So all of our kids here in the picture are helping us in the ministry. We have two other daughters that are living in another city in Brazil where one of um, my daughter's husbands is doing his residency for med school, but the family that's here is all helping with us in some form of the ministry. So, can go to the next one. First, I just wanna say that our passion in going to Brazil for these last 32 years that we've been there is in reaching unreached people for the Lord Jesus, and we believe that he's coming And there's not a lot of time yet that we have before we can reach out to the people who haven't heard yet. We want to go where there's no other evangelical churches, where there's no other gospel witness. We want to go to people who haven't heard the true gospel message. And so one of the places in the world where there are less churches than other places is on the Amazon Basin. And this here is just a little area of the Amazon. It's up by the mouth of the Amazon. The mouth of the Amazon is 300 miles wide. And there's a huge delta island in the middle of it, but we're on the southern part of the mouth of the Amazon at a small city called Castanhal. Now, Belang here is the capital city, um, and it's the capital city of the state of Pará, and that's a city of about 3 million people and that's where when if any of you come down on work teams you'll fly into Belang. and our city of castanhal is an hour and a half drive from balang and our city of castanhal has about 250 or 300,000 people but it's very small in area size because the homes are very close together they're very crowded when we came to brazil 32 years ago we asked the lord to give us access to plant churches on 10 different river systems and in our area, there's, we saw that there are 10 large river systems. They're tributaries of the Amazon River. And we're about 500 miles from Santarang, if any of you have been to Santarang. So it's quite a distance. And the whole Amazon basin is about as big as the United States. So it's a very big area. And the area that we're working in now is about a radius of about maybe um, 100 miles all around our city of Castagnol. So it's not too far, but the distances, even though it's only 100 miles, can take you 5 to 10 hours to get there, 12 hours to get there, depending on um, how you're traveling and, and if it's by boat or if it's by car and, and the access that you have, the access to places. So our city, our city of Castagnol, we have a central church, and we've been working in Hope Ministries now for 14 years. Our family started the ministry in 2008 with just our family. And um, we've, we established a church in Castaneda right next to our mission state station. From there, we started a base in Bujaru, which is to the south, along the Guama River, where we have our medical boat and where we have a local church and where we're planting churches along that river, of the Guama River. After we went to Bujaru, we also went up north um, to a place called Asu, which is on another river called Mokajuba, and there we have a church established, and we're working, there's about 45 communities without churches in that area that we're wanting to reach out to and we're establishing a base up there. We have a church and we have a church building that you'll see in the pictures and that will eventually be a center uh, for that whole area. Then the third church we've started is over on the Moju River and it's called Parita. There we go where the pointer is and in Parita we have a, a church established there that has local leaders as well. We have local leaders up in Asu, in Parita, in Bujaru, and we're starting a fourth base along the Kaping River and down at a place called Allegri Vamos, where we just have land, but we don't have a church building yet. And each of these areas, these um, sub-bases that we have, have access to up north to about 45 different communities and along the rivers to hundreds um, the Moju River actually goes much farther south, down here by the floor, probably. Also, the Kaping River goes south, down by the floor. And so, we've got endless miles of river to reach people on. And along the rivers, the people live, they call it communities, but it's actually their homes that are about 100 meters apart. And about every mile and a half, the government has called it a community. And so along these river church, these river people along the rivers don't have access to a evangelical church where they can learn the true gospel. They don't have access to medical care, to dental care. And there's a lot of very poor people and people that are lots of abused children, lots of problems with drugs. And so there's just an open wide mission field. But just to start out here, our heart is planting churches along these rivers, and reaching people for the kingdom of God. And then we're just going to show a short video. The video shows our Castanjall Church. It's not a very big church. We have about 120 people. It's in the city of Castanjall. It's a church that's focused on planting other churches and on missions. And so uh, we have a lot of youth coming to the church that volunteer with us in our different missions projects. And it'll start out showing a little bit of our church, some of our kids helping in the church services. Um, Then it's going to go next to the Bujaru Church, which is our first river church, and to the medical boat. It also shows a little bit of some land that we were the government gave us to um, build a home for abused children in that area. So there's a picture of me and my daughter Rachel standing with a, a big architectural drawing of the children's home plant. And is it called a plant in English? The architect a, a plant for the children's home. So we have that picture there, too, and a little bit of the children in that area that we're reaching. And then there's a picture of a missionary, Lucas. He's just a single missionary that we send out from our Castaneda Church that's helping out to start the churches in the Bujaru area. And then from there, we go to show the Alegri Vamos Church, which we also reach by our medical boat. It takes eight hours to get from our Bujaru church by medical boat to the Lagrivamos area on the different river system. And there we have just land, and it shows us looking at the land and driving some stakes in where we're marking out the land that was donated by the community for our church. And we're hoping to build a church there in August. And then the last church or the next church that's shown is the one on the Mojou River. And that shows a work team from the US that came down that's building the help building the church there, putting in bathrooms in the church. And then the last picture is um, about the Asu Church, which is up north where we're also building. So it just shows church buildings and some of the people in our church. Okay, go ahead.
1: We're shaking off the dust as we arise. Awake, awake, our generation cries salvation song will- to the-
2: So we're going to show really quickly a video of Project Hope, which is the medical boat project. It's in Portuguese with English subtitles, but I'll explain a little bit more um, after the video, uh, a little bit more about Project Hope. de caráter social ligada à Igreja do Ministério da Esperança. Nasceu em 2016 e, na verdade, foi algo que surgiu no meu coração há 15 anos atrás. Sempre foi um sonho trabalhar com a população ribeirinha, com a questão de saúde ribeirinha. Começamos com atendimento médico de enfermagem bem básico, atendendo a população de distribuindo remédios. E nós tivemos sempre um sonho de, de fazer um atendimento de qualidade para a população ribeirinha. Em 2016, compramos o nosso primeiro barco, o Esperança 2, que é um barco de linha reformado para fazer um serviço social nas comunidades. Em 2020, nós instalamos nosso primeiro consultório odontológico e atualmente funcionamos é, com a cadeira odontológica e também com consultas de enfermagem, medidas médicas, de fisioterapia. Atualmente, o projeto ropa em três rios diferentes, o Rio Rio o Rio Tapim e o Rio Mojú. Nesses, nesses três rios, nós atendemos mais de 30 comunidades ao longo dos rios e realizamos clínicas mensalmente. Então, nós saímos com o barco, levamos uma equipe de médicos, de enfermeiros, de dentistas e fazemos o atendimento à população. Geralmente fazemos, realizamos uma clínica de um, dois dias no máximo e temos um fluxo de pacientes de 100, 150, 200, dependendo da comunidade em que nós estamos. Atualmente a gente tem é, cerca de 2 mil pacientes que nós atendemos, que nós fazemos o um acompanhamento tanto odontológico quanto médico, de enfermagem, de psicoterapia. Nosso objetivo é expandir o projeto ROP. Atualmente a gente só tem um barco funcionando e ele não é um barco tipo hospital ou de saúde clínica propriamente. Ele é um barco de linha e tem um consultório odontológico instalado nele. Porém, o nosso sonho é ter um barco maior, um barco que realmente venha atender a população, que tenha consultório médico de enfermagem, sala de procedimentos, consultório odontológico, tudo dentro do barco, para a gente até realizar exames e levar uma tripulação, uma uma equipe mais especializada para ter um atendimento de maior qualidade para o povo que So this video, it shows a little bit about Project HOPE, which is a medical boat project. My name is Deborah Toth. I'm the coordinator and director of Project HOPE. Um, We use the medical ministry. It's a a project linked with HOPE Ministries. And we use it as a way to open doors in the river communities to spread the gospel. Um, You can go to the next slide. Yeah. So we're a social project, but focused on healthcare. care. Um, our team of volunteers is, it ranges from, we have about 50, maybe 80 people that volunteer. And all of them are volunteers, so doctors, nurses, Um, dentists, physical therapists, um, psychologists, and then just non-medical staff, youth from our church, youth from different churches, from different cities, even non-believers will come and volunteer in the medical area to treat these patients out on the river. And so usually we take a team of 20 to 25 people um, when we go out on the rivers. So you can go to the next one. This map here, I'm sorry, I have a laser pointer. Uh, this map here shows the rivers that my mom talked about. So this is where our main base is, Bujaru. That's where the medical boat is docked. And m- monthly, we hold one clinic per month here. Also monthly, we either take a trip up the Guama River, down the Kaping, or down the Moju River. Um, all of these little red dots are places where we have patients where we treat. So. Um, it's about, if I think it's about 60, 68 com- different communities where we have patients. And we don't hold clinics in every one of these communities, but patients from these communities will go to the main um, places where we have a church base and they'll get medical attention and dental treatment. So our main focus are the river um, population along these rivers. So we do... Also, treat and, and um, visit and hold clinics more on the edge of the river, not so much inland, though there are many, many communities inland, and they come to the edge of the river to get treatment. So, um, in Portuguese, we call them hibetineus. They're not, um, in, like, indigenous, like, Indian like, tribes. Um, they're more of a mixture between the indigenous people and also African slaves from before. There was a lot of slavery in our area, and they would grow sugar cane. So this population, they're called Hibernius You can go to the next slide. Um, they're basic. The socioeconomic um, of these communities, they it's family farming, uh, hunting, fishing. The housing conditions are these little wooden huts. There's no indoor bathrooms, no indoor plumbing. Uh, because of that there 's very poor sanitation, um, just a lack of basic sanitation in the population also there's high incidence of women and child abuse among the families there's, There are very dysfunctional family structure. Most of them don't get married and build a family. They'll have children with somebody, stay with them for one or two years, go off and find somebody else. And so a lot of times these children are bounced from home to home, or they'll just stay with their grandparents, and the grandma will raise the children. There's a lot of teenage pregnancies because of the amount of child abuse and abuse in the homes. Um, There'll be a lot of incest also, and I'll talk a little bit more about that when I talk about uh, the children's home that we're opening up. So there's also limited education. Uh, The basic um, pathologies that we treat out there, there's many, like from a variety, from basic, like just um, children that will have worms. We also had a patient that had a brain tumor. So we'll see like a variety of different um, pathologies. But what we mostly see are infectious contagious diseases, which has to do with worms, but also just parasites and... um, a lot of skin conditions due to the poor sanitation. Also, lots of patients have um, herniated discs and back disorders because uh, there's a lot of manual farming and lifting heavy loads. They, they all do it manually. Sometimes a family will have a water buffalo that will help them with their um, agriculture, but mainly it's just them carrying all the load. There's also high incidence of high blood pressure, diabetes, malnutrition, um, stomach cancer, gastritis, and that is basically due to their um, lack of, of a variety of um, their their food. And so, like they mostly eat acai. Maybe some of you heard of it as acai. It's a purple berry that grows on the palm trees, and they grind it up and make kind of like a paste, and they'll mix that with a cornstarch. Type of cornmeal from manioc root, and that's basically their. Um, that's basically what they eat during the day, and so that causes a lot of stomach problems. And so that there's a high high incidence of stomach cancer in these patients. Also, sexually transmitted disease due to their lifestyle. So right now we have a total of 2,588 patients that we do follow up on them, um, along in 61 communities. Yeah. Um, On the Guama River, where is our Bujaru Church, that's where we have most of our patients, and then the Kapin River and the Moju River. And these are the places where we basically hold the clinics monthly, and some of them will go every two to three months. We're probably at our max capacity of the amount of patients and communities and patients that we can treat right now with the medical boat that we have and with the staff of volunteers that we have, because none of them are on staff, They have to take off work, and they'll take off like one day a week during the month or on a Saturday, and we're able to hold clinics. So our goal is to use the medical ministry to open doors to preach the gospel. So during the clinics, often we'll have um, a group of people that will go around praying and ministering to the patients that come, handing out Bibles, doing activity with the children. We've seen lots of salvations, people giving their hearts to the Lord during the clinics, people opening their hearts to the gospel. We've seen healings. Um, people, patients will come in, and sometimes we don't have medication for them. We don't have, we're not able to treat them, but we'll pray for them, and their fever will go away. or We'll pray for them, and, and they'll be healed, and God will just touch them in a supernatural way, very, very powerfully. So it's amazing to see... The work of the gospel and just ministering to these patients using what we have, which is our profession in health. So, Our future goals for the medical boat ministry is to purchase a portable x-ray machine for our dental chair on the boat. We have a dental chair um, that's on the boat. We can do fillings. We can do extractions. But for certain procedures, we need to have an x-ray machine so that we can see actually what we're dealing with and not going blind when we're treating certain patients, like root canals or something like that. We also would like to open up a fund for emergency surgeries and exams and um, hospitalizations for patients. We had a patient last year. He was a pastor, one one of our river pastors out in Parita. He was 36 years old and he was feeling back pain, he went in, and he his family um, was able to put together some money. He got an ultrasound. It diagnosed him with liver abscess. But at that moment, he started waiting for, in the hospital, in the public hospital system, to get transferred to the major city where he could get a surgery. He waited for about two to three weeks. He wasn't, they weren't transferring him. They kept rejecting His paper is saying that he was from the river area, he wasn't from the city, so they couldn't treat him, they couldn't get him surgery. Um, Finally, I talked with some friends, and we got together um, in a private hospital. We got a doctor that would do the surgery in the hospital to give us a good price, and we were able to um, get him surgery. When the doctor opened him up, he discovered that it wasn't a liver abscess, it was liver cancer, and it had already metastasized and spread to his other organs in his abdomen. Um, two weeks later, he passed away. And maybe if we had been able to get him into the hospital earlier, maybe if we had been able to get him an MRI or an exam um, that the project would be able to fund, we could have started treatment and maybe saved his life. He was 36 years old. He left his wife, which is 27, 28, and two little boys, 9 and 7 years old. And so this is just one of the stories and one of the reasons why we want to open up this emergency fund for for. Patients that were not able to get them into the public health care system quick enough that need that medical attention. We'd also like to have a portable dental chair so that we can reach maybe some of the communities that aren't on the river. A big need is the dental, um, the, um, dental part in the health care. So, yeah. I want to thank you guys so much because actually, um, the AC Church, um, the, the Canadian, Canadian Missionary Committee has funded Project Hope for the last two, three years, ever since 2019. And so it basically runs the whole medical ministry, the offerings and the donations that you have given. So I want to thank you guys so much for that, for being a part of this, because there's so many stories that I could tell about it, and we don't have that much time, so you'll have to stop by one of our tables later. Um, one quick, we, we talked about the pa- patient that had cancer, but one quick other story of a, um, how sometimes something so simple can be so life-changing. We had a patient come in. The baby was one year and eight months. It wasn't crawling. It wasn't moving. It wasn't, um, didn't have normal mobility. The mother thought that maybe he had some neurological problem. The doctor that treated the baby said, let's try to see if we can maybe let's discard some of other um, Maybe it's a a vitamin deficiency. Maybe it's something else. We gave to the baby um, a month's supply of just the regular gummy vitamins that you can buy at Walmart. And the baby started taking that. Within eight days, the baby was walking. And so it was something so simple but so life-changing for the family. So thank you so much for being a part of that. Um, I want to just share really quick about Vila Aviva, which is the children's home project. And Villa Aviva is um, what we're calling the house for, for abandoned and abused children. My sister Rachel started this project around six years ago, and she was able to get land for building the home. During Our clinics, during our ministry out on the rivers, we've seen so many cases of child abuse and of teenage pregnancies. And just because the family structure is is so dysfunctional, and also it's actually become common and cultural to have that sort of family and to have these cases of abuse in the home. So uh, Evelyn's house is now going to be called Villa Aviva because we can't use Evelyn's name. Evelyn was a little girl who first, her story was what first motivated us to start going after opening this home for children. She was about four years old when we met her. She was bounced from home to home. Her mom would give her up to multiple families where she was abused, where the families would own a bar, had her dance on tables, stuff like that. And so now she is 14, almost 14 years old, and she would still be qualified to go into the home if once we open it. The other children, uh, the Itabita children, um, we've been working with this family for about six, no, ten years now. Um, Recently, the mom abandoned five of the children. They were living with their grandmother and with a mentally challenged aunt. And we've often loaded them in the car and brought them to one of our clinics. You can see here in the picture, the little boy has sand fleas in his feet. And it took me about three to four hours to dig out the sand fleece from his hands and his feet and it was just because nobody to teach them to wear shoes, to to take a shower, nobody to be caring for them. He's, I think, four or five years old. This other little girl in this family, she was um, helping wash clothes and she got her finger cut off in the wash machine so we were able to help take care of her with that. Our mission with the children's home is to provide a safe house for the kids where they can uh, be in a place where they're safe. There's no children's home, no government-run children's home in this area. And so we would be taking in children from zero to almost 18 years old. Our goal is to be able to place them back with their family of origin if it's a safe home. If not, help them go through the process, legal process for adoption. This is the land my mom already told you about. The mayor, the city, actually donated a piece of property so we could start construction. And now we're raising funds for the building of the home and to go through all the legal process, getting all the right documents. You can go to the next one. So the next step is raising funds both for the construction of the home complex. We're going to need two houses, one for the boys, one for the girls, and because we don't want to split up families. Also, to legally register the home with the Brazilian government. Um, There's also, we need to purchase a vehicle to transport the children in. And Sally for the director of the home and for a secretary for the home. And so I know maybe many of you have already given to the children's home, and we want to thank you so much also for that. And um, Mom, would you like to say something about the...
0: Okay, I'll just finish really quickly here. Um, some of you that are wanting to support any of the ministry that you see here, on the, any donations for the medical boat can be given to the Canadian Missionary Committee. And there's already a fund set up there that helps support the boat monthly, like Deborah said. And so since there's already that support set up, it's just to continue giving towards the project through the missionary committee there in Canada. And anything for the children's home, we haven't really set up a fund for that yet, but any donations can be given through the website of the Apostolic Christian Church Foundation. Our ministry is on there as an affiliated ministry. You have to check on the affiliated ministry part, and then you can go into Hope Ministries and can donate to that. There also are addresses on the folders in back, but um, there's no problem at all giving it to the Apostolic Christian Church Foundation, and that's an easier way probably to donate to than through our address in Texas. So we just want to thank you so, so much. for. I, I just want to finish by saying that Even though perhaps you don't know us too well because we haven't been coming to camp here many times and many of you from our churches maybe that we've never visited, but the Apostolic Christian Church is the one that sent out my parents 61 years ago. They're actually the ones that sent our family to Brazil 32 years ago. And you are the foundation and the roots of all the ministry that you see here. And we just want to just share that with you. The tremendous impact your support and your giving over many, many years has made in so many different parts of the world. We want to thank you so much. We want to ask you for your prayers. And I, once again, I want to bring greetings from my husband, from Scott. And I didn't say it, but he was in the first video in the beginning. He was, one of, he was the preacher that was standing like this. And then my, bro- my son, Philip, was the young man that was... Younger man that was preaching there with the microphone. I don't quite know, but he was right in the beginning. So we're just thankful for all that you have given to help and all your support, all your prayers all these years.
3: Thank you so much. We really appreciate uh, all the work you're doing for the Lord. Please come up. uh, We all want to give a chance also now for our our, uh, Oscar and Karen and uh, Tabitha. Uh, Sorry. (laughs) Sorry.
4: Yes, thank you for the support. I've also been sent out by the Apostolic Christian Foundation 36 years ago, and now my kids are also in the ministry, and um, we're so thankful. 36 years ago, I got a scholarship to study in a different country from the American Legion Society. So I picked Argentina since my Aunt Kath Nemec was there, And there I met Oscar in a Bible school, and God used us as a team to work in Paraguay four four years later. And then recently, um, Gabriel was here in the States studying. He called one day and said, Mom, God's calling me to go back home. I thought something was wrong. I said, What's going on? And he said, God asked me to work in my father's footsteps. So I said, come home, and with that, he brought a beautiful wife, Hadasa, and they're both working in the ministry, and our other son, Brandon, also went back to Paraguay, he was living in Ohio, he went back to Paraguay, found a beautiful uh, Paraguayan, and he's also working in the ministry there with his wife, and we also have a teenager, Edson, who's 15, and he's also... Growing up in the ministry, he has a cell group that he is working with and, and it's really encouraging to work with our family. So all of you are supporting also that, the Paraguay Missions and our family and we're thankful for that. So this is Hadassah, and I'd like her to introduce herself.
5: Thank you. So my name is Hadassah, I'm actually Brazilian. Um, I met Gabe when we were both studying in South Florida in Miami for a seminary, Bible school. And uh, we met in 2014. We got in a relationship, and then we got married in 2016. We both have a young boy called Oliver. He just turned three. And ever since we got married, we have been living in Paraguay and serving as missionaries alongside with our in-laws my in-laws, Harry's parents, and we're very happy because I know we're young, but God has called us to to be in the ministries, and we are we're faithful servants that said yes to God's calling. We we decided to do this full time because we know the needs that we have in Paraguay, and and we we couldn't be happier. So we're we're really happy to share that with you also.
4: So through the years, we did church camps, we. Helped in planting several churches in Paraguay. And one of our biggest projects was Colegio Privado Adonai, which was accredited in 2003. It goes from preschool to 12th grade. And um, their needs now are scholarship support and renovation of desks and classrooms after it'll be almost 20 years. So you can keep them in prayers and thank you for supporting the students there. Right now we're working in a church ministry, planting a church in 2013, which is right next to our house, so it's we can get there right on time and early. But it's a neighborhood church. It, it started in our garage. It started as a small group, and that's actually what we wanted to teach the people coming to our church, that everyone is an um, a member, a minister, everyone is responsible for spreading the word, and every house is an extension of that church, of our church, winning our own generation for Christ through these life groups, through small groups, that um, mo- that most of us have because we're all encouraged to share God's word and make community or make group supports. Um, so these are some of our small groups, we have about 15 small groups around the neighborhood and also in two different cities that we're working at called Upanay and Capietá, which both are 40 minutes away from our church in different directions. And those churches started through relatives of people coming to our church. They saw the need to go spread the word there with their with their brothers and sisters or in-laws, and that's how they started sharing God's Word with other people. And so we encouraged each one of our leaders to give like a recap of what Sunday's sermon was, so then they have material already prepared. Everyone takes notes in church on Sunday in order to give that same message out to... They're small groups during the week. Most of the groups are, sa- are Saturdays, the young kids, and Wednesdays are the older, the older group. And here's some pictures of our Sunday services. We have about 150 people. Uh, not all come on a regular basis. I would say um, 100 per week, and young kids and a, a Sunday school. So this, this is the new building that, we, that was just funded by the Apostolic Christian Church, and it's, usually we would meet in our garages, in my garage and Hadassah's house, because we both live near church. And then through the donations in 2020 and 2021, we were able to uh, make a beautiful area for the kids. The youth services, Gabrielle is in charge of those. And baptisms. And these are just some of the small groups, life groups, cell groups that we have around the cities. And now I want to give the microphone to Hadassah, and she'll tell about our project.
5: So um, back in two thousand. 17, I got to Paraguay at the end of 2016 after I got married. 2017, I got a chance to work in school, the Colegio Privado Adonai, for one year teaching English. And um, by the end of that year, we felt in our hearts the need to go and dedicate ourselves to our neighborhood since they were already planting a church there with a small group of six families. And um, as a family, we decided to go there and um, invest in those people. So my mom... You can show the next slide. My mom is um, a woman that had in her heart a vision for a social development project. And she started this 15 years ago. Her name is Thelma. And her desire is to be a social project for children at risk with specialized classes in English literature sports, but with a, something different, which is to educate the kids on um, Christian principles so our schools in Paraguay are um, we can find Christian schools but they are rare and they are expensive so um, in our neighborhood we have two big schools that can um, have around 300 uh, 301 and 300 under 1 and all of those kids don't get the chance sometimes to receive um, Christian principles so with the next after school program they come right after um, school and they continue to learn um, very important lessons like literature and English and sports but they, we also take that opportunity to plant a seed in their hearts according to the, uh, God's word. So we did that and we started, you can go. And back in 2018, we opened our door in their garage and we started working with the kids from the, actually the block around us. And we got around 20 kids and 10 volunteers and we started doing mornings and afternoons. And we ended the first year with around 35 students. In that, um, in that project. When we moved to 2019, um, we were able already to move the project to um, the church building, but we did not have classrooms yet. So we would meet in the, on, on the grass and in um Karen's uh, backyard and in the church building itself, and we would just move chairs all around and tables all around every Tuesdays and Thursdays. And the project grew, and we had 40 students and 15 volunteers, and that was a great um, opportunity for us to continue to do it. And then 2000. came and pandemic came and we had to stop and we did continue with um, small groups with the kids and I'm about to show you the video before I can tell you how the project is doing right now in 2022 so we're just going to watch a short video Hello everyone, my name is Hadassah. I am the coordinator of the social development project called Escuela de Vida, that means the School of Life. This project is directed to kids from 6 to 12 years old it's as an extracurricular program where they have classes of English, physical education, literature, Bible reading, and I'm really, really excited to show you how it's one day in Escuela de Vida. But before we do that, I would like to show you how we started and how far we have come. So let's go along with me. So this is where the project started back in 2018. This is the garage of Pastor Oscar and Karen's house. We had only 25 kids with us, a few tables and chairs, but a heart that believed that this project was something that God had planned for this country and for this city. That's why we kept going and that's why today we can celebrate everything that God has given us because he's faithful and he will always be faithful through our lives the two years of pandemic was really hard for us as well we had to stop the classes of the project escuela de vida but we were able to maintain contact with the kids through small groups we divided them in five small groups and they would come once a week to receive a word just hang out with some friend and also have some snacks meanwhile we have also received donations that gave us the opportunity to build up this place and that's why we're here today to show you everything that god has done and how far we have come for the glory of his name So here we are. These are the classrooms that we were able to build through the donations and support that we received from you. For the glory of God, we have over 60 kids participating with us in the social project Escuela de Vida. And this is how our day looks like. we're here together to say something really special to you. Thank you! So that's our project now in 2022 for the glory of God. And I'm really emotional because this was a prayer request for a long time. But we have a building and four classrooms and office. And we do have 80 desks. We have... Been using 65 of those because we are short on staff, so I am in agreement with my friend here because our volunteers don't receive anything from Anything of the project, so they do have to get out out of their jobs and schools. So we have um, volunteers that um, work on Saturday, so they can get a, an evening or a, an afternoon off, so they can come to the project. Or they would work a deal with their director and, and miss school on a Tuesday, so they can come to the project. So that's why we cannot attend more students, but we will continue to grow. And I believe God has even more for us because we have the capacity to at least 80 Tuesdays and Thursdays. and If we start doing more days, we can do even more. In, of that. So, our mission of the project is, and I want to read with you, is you can go. Is The project's mission is to create opportunities for children and teenagers at social risk to acquire skills and competences to develop their potential so they can become Christian leaders in our nation. So we're working with those kids because we believe that they are not the future, they are the present. And if they grow with this mentality of a Christian leader when they are older, they can continue to spread that to their families. And I don't believe... We will change the entire world, but we can change where we're at and where God put us right now. So we do the most we can to do that with those kids. And we have five groups that we want to reach with this project. And the first one, of course, is the students and teens. And we offer them the leadership development with Christian characters. characters. So we want to restore their integrity. We, they are from poor a poor background, they don't have families, they don't have models, they don't have um, maybe a future perspective to uh, grow out of that reality, so that's why we... Everything we do, we do with with excellence so they can know that they can do better, that they can be overcomers, that they can be um, and have success in everything they do in life because maybe they don't see that in their families, but we want to know, we want them to know that it's out there for them. So we offer like intellectual, academical, um, moral, physical and spiritual growth by giving them a future and a hope. And then we also reach out to the family. So the project works alongside with the parents. We have parents meeting before we start. We have the parents committed with us throughout the year. And we do um, often parent um, families events. So Mother's Day, Father's Day, um, Children's Day, so that everybody can come. And we just do presentations. And then this was our last day. Uh, Mother's Day that we did and the kids were able to present some skits and songs and Bible verses and moms were crying. They would say, I never heard a song so beautiful. And the song was just telling the mom how important she is. But maybe she never heard that. And then there's, there's this kid just dancing and singing, Mom, I love you. You're so special. Thank you for everything. And the mom is just like crying. Just, you're receiving love. And, um, a lot of the moms start coming to church. So this one is Sam. You can go back real fast. This one is Sam in this, this picture, and his mom and his um, sister just started coming to church, and that other side is Matia and Sebas. The first time I went to visit Paraguay, I was still in a relationship with Gabe, and they were having a Saturday children's program, and Matias was wild. He would go under the chairs, and he would start just turning everything around, and I was Surprised, I was like, wow, right? And then one day, Silvas came and sat on my, like, I was just trying to help out, so I just put a seat in here, and I was like, let's calm down, right? And the smell of his hair was like horrible and and when and when the the classes and i went to my room i took a shower and i was just crying thinking oh my gosh he i don't know how long he did not shower for because the smell was like so and i was just hoping and praying that we could make a difference in his lives and today they are servants of the lord matthias is almost a leader he can preach and he can sing and he can worship god because his life has been transformed and through that his family he lives in a house with at least 10 people. He has uncles and aunts, and um, we just got a phone call from his grandma that his uncle has a a liver situation. He's not doing good, so Gabe, my husband, is going to go visit him. So that is the situation that our kids live live in, and that's why we want to reach out to their families with values and principles of the Bible. And then the third group that we want to reach are our volunteers. We don't want our volunteers to just do something. We want them to be transformed while they're doing it, and they are. We started with a group of 10, now we are 15, and we have programs of training before we start the project, so they are committed to the project. They're not just there for anything, they know what they're doing, and they allow themselves to be used by God to just um, love those kids. And what happens when we do that? We receive love from God, and we receive love from the kids, and our lives are transformed. So a lot of our volunteers were maybe people that never thought they could be. Used by God to do something and here they are just serving and loving and just giving their lives to the Lord's and that's why I believe we're growing so much with the volunteer staff because they keep telling the other person let's go let's go and I believe that we can do even more of that as well and we also reach out to our community through um, projects that we do so we had cul- culinary lessons and also um, garden lessons that our pastor here is really good at, so the the kids were doing it, so we do our best to um, just bring that for the outside of their lives also, not just in the project, but also in the school, and their neighborhood, and their family, so we can transform the environment which they live in, so we can bring that life to where they're at right now. And the last... Um, Group that we want to reach also are our supporters and sponsors. We believe that everybody that supports and donates and sponsors us, you guys are not just supplying resources, you guys are being transform you guys are transforming our lives you are active in in our lives through the donations that we receive so you guys are sensitive for the, the the goals of the project and we know that that is because god has been using you i know maybe you can't go to the mission field but with the donation that donation like um Deborah said can change a life it's just so simple and that's why we're here not to ask for money. We're just here to ask you to allow God to use you to bless those who really need and down there. So we are, um, the project happens in a property in San Antonio and the classes like we saw is Tuesdays and Thursdays from 2 to five thirty with all of those classes, English, literature, arts, physical education, and Bible classes. We provide snacks, Bible, t-shirts, as well as all the materials the kids don't pay anything because they can't I mean our structure if we were going to be a private school we could charge a lot but we don't charge anything because we want to reach out to the more kids that we want that's why we need the donations monthly and our group of social educators is made up of volunteers from our church people who have made available their time and seed in every child's life as we reach this, these children and teenagers our hope and faith is that creating opportunities in God we will change the destiny of many lives and the picture I have in myself and I I told the kids once is that, I I mean I told the volunteers once is that our kids they were destined to to death. They were destined to drugs. They were destined to a broken family because that's the path they're, they're walking in in their lives. But we are creating opportunities for them to just turn around and follow God's path. And by doing that, we're changing their destiny. So whoever was going to be in drugs, now it's going to be a leader. Whoever is going to be dead in the world, now it's going to be active in the, the work of God because we are creating these opportunities for them to be transformed. So how can you help our mission? Of course, praying daily for the missionaries and for all the work that we are doing in paraguay supporting the mission and the missionaries through financial donations you can do that through the accf foundation as well sponsoring a child we did the math and um with all the costs that we have throughout the year with everything that we use and we give to them It would be $30 per child monthly. So you can adopt a child and donate $30 monthly for them. And you can also visit us and serve as a missionary. We received in 2019 um, Sarah... Sarah, knows now she's wobble because she got married, but she was with us for four months and she was serving the Project Escuela de Vida as well, and she had a great experience down there. We are in touch with another girl also from here that she wants to go next year to teach English, so we're open to receive if if you need any more information we have a missionary manual also that you can follow up. And here we have weekly updates that you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram, both Escuela de Vida and our church, Um, and also outside we're going to have a book um, a notebook that you can write your email and get some emails from us also monthly. So we just want to thank you so much for the opportunity for listening and for um, just being here and may God bless you and for everything that you has have been doing for us. Thank you so much.
3: All right. Okay. Well, so uh, you can see that God's doing a lot in both, uh, in both, uh, both parts of Brazil and Paraguay. And uh, they're going to actually be at the doors. We're going to excuse them first so that uh, you can talk to them. They've got some material. They can go with them, with you to, to uh, know more about this ministry. And so you saw, uh, I guess, about donations, both the ACC and BC website, as well as the ACC Foundation website, that you're able to, to use to donate to both these ministries. And as... as uh, Sister Michelle uh, explained that you have to go through affiliated ministries to get to the Hope Ministries on the foundation website. Is there any questions that anyone wanted to have uh, of, of either of them before we uh, dismiss? Feel free. Are all the other Yes. So they're all recorded and all the material, we're going to be collecting it, and we're going to make it all available so that you'll be able to get both the PowerPoints and, and, and the... Um, recordings to, for for the other ones cuz I know we want to support all our missionaries they're doing a fantastic job great so question some of west camp. well I know I think they've come from western camp are you going on somewhere else from here no
6: west
3: coast. a west coast oh to california we're hoping okay any chance that you'll come visit california i think as they ask, the elder of uh, the los angeles church is asking <clears throat> okay Okay, right. Okay. So, well, thank you for that welcome. Well, maybe they'll include it in their plans next time. <clears throat> thank you.